My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This is it. The time has come. Saturday night's all right for fighting. The push him down. Get in the ring and go the distance with Fight Night with Gareth A. Davies. You're better than that. On Talk Sport. Welcome to the TalkSport Fight Night podcast. I'm Gareth Davis. I was joined this week by Spencer Oliver. And of course, it was Fright Night as well as Fight Night. Well, joining us first on the podcast this week in a stacked show was Tyson Fury's trainer, Sugar Hill Stewart. Here's what he had to tell me about the situation where they had offered him and Tyson Fury to train Anthony Joshua for his next fight. The rematch with Alexander Usyk. We haven't spoken to you live on air about Tyson's performance against Deontay Wilder in the third fight. Give us your assessment of the night. I thought it was a great fight. I thought it was exciting. I thought it was everything that boxing that boxing has to offer. And uh, you know, it, it did a lot. That fight did a lot for boxing, I believe, uh, in a whole sport because the heavyweight division. It's a division that runs boxing, and it, uh, when the heavyweight division is thriving, boxing is thriving. So now, this here just changed the landscape of boxing, period. You know, that fight just meant a lot, and the performances by both fighters were great. You know, they, they were great They were great, uh, great performances. You had, uh, you showed courage, heart, um, determination. You showed everything that, that boxing has to offer in that fight for both opponents. And uh, for Tyson's performance was great. He had to get up off the canvas. He had to make a, you know, adjustments. Boxing is all about adjustments. He had to make an adjustment. And uh, he went on to, to dominate the fight and to be victorious by an 11th round knockout. You know, the big dogs get the knockouts in the late round. But Tyson Fury is a big dog. Everyone's trying to stay calm in the third round when Deontay Wilder's gone down. But in the fourth round, you see Tyson go down twice. Your eyes are on him. You're watching his posture, all those things. You kind of know he's okay because we, we knew he was okay and he was getting through it. What goes on in the corner then when you're preparing to speak to him in that minute? What were you going through from the end of the fourth into the fifth round? Uh, everything was easy for me. Uh, I don't want to say it's not the easiest thing, but it's, it's something that, 
you know, I've been around and doing my whole life watching Emmanuel. So I know it's something, a situation Emmanuel wouldn't panic in. There's nothing that I would panic in. And my main concern was just his breathing, make sure he breathes good so he can go back out to the next round and be just as, just as dominant as he was before that knockdown uh, in that fourth round. And that was my main concern was just to get him, get his breath together so he can be on, you know, he can have good, smooth breathing and be conscious of everything that's going on and take back control of the fight. Uh, that was it. i never forget my a time uh, Jonathan Banks fought Alicio Castillo in New York, and I worked the corner with Emmanuel, and Jonathan was knocked down two times in, like, the second round. Bad knockdowns. The third one was a slip. They could have called it a knockdown. The fight would have been over. But i never forget coming back to the corner where Emmanuel told Jonathan Banks. I mean, this was a bad round pretty much, but, you know, Emmanuel, and I was thinking the same thing because he made it through that round. I was thinking to myself, like, all right, that was a good round. And Emmanuel gets in the corner with Johnson, and he goes, all right, Johnson, good round. I mean, amazing. We stand, we're thinking and saying the same thing. And, and it's a good round because that fighter survived that round. There's no need to go into a panic and, and make the fighter do something. That, he made one mistake. It's just not to make that mistake again, but to continue to do what you've been doing to be successful. And that was the only thing going through my head was just, okay, that was a good round. He survived that round. Now just get your breathing. Let's go back out to the next round. And let's not make that same mistake. That's all. Just slight, small little correction. And that what was that's what was done, uh, which led Tyson Fury to d- being dominant in the fifth round, sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth, tenth, and finally finishing it in the eleventh round. It's an extraordinary character, isn't he, Tyson Fury? I mean, I had the fortune to um, come to the after party and then come to the Wet Republic the day after for the pool party and. He's an incredibly modest individual, isn't he? Um, weirdly, Tyson. He, he obviously he does his performance bits, and he thanked you as well. Obviously, at the press conference for the work, he couldn't have done it without you. But he's not someone that kind of crows about his own performances. It's it, it's quite he's quite an extraordinary individual. You know him very well. He's quite an extraordinary individual, really, isn't he? Yeah, and it, it, you know, saying that, Gareth, it makes me think about it. Like, I get asked a question a lot like this. After the, the first fight me and Tyson had together, when everybody's saying, oh, it's Sugar, it's you, you changed him, you did this. What a job, masterful. And I and and that's why I say a lot of things, I mean, me and him are so similar because I, 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 I never once can look at myself and be honest and say, yeah, it was me, I take all the credit for it. Because if he doesn't do what I tell him to do, we're not even talking about this at all. It's not even the same thing. So, it, it's, for me, I've always said it's 50-50. So, that's why we're the dynamic duo. There's not just one person. It's, it takes both of us, and we both give credit to each other because we know without each other, we both wouldn't be where we are right now, you know. I mean, I would still have champions and trained them or whatever, and he would still be, you know, champion and, and been champion and things. But to be on the level that we are now, it takes both of us, you know, to be on that level together. So, we both respectfully – respect each other in that sense to know that, you know, it's, it's both of us and not just one, you know, even though a lot of people say that the fighter is in there by himself. But I mean, if you ever see me in the locker room, I'm warming up just like the fighter moving around, throwing punches, slipping, going through certain things in my head that I know I'm going to see in the fight. And, uh, you know, those kind of things right there are what, uh, you know, what makes us what I feel like it's, you know, it's a, uh, very rare in the sport of boxing or any sport really dynamic duo i don't even know if there's any dynamic duo in the sport out there besides us. obviously the fallout from it all is that 
Um, we've seen what happened with Deontay White. He's the, the Otto Valin fight is off, and White is now really pressing for a fight with Tyson Fury. You know, sometime next year, Anthony Joshua's pushing ahead with his rematch with Alexander Usyk. Two, two things, finally. Do you think that the White fight is yes, likely next and, year? Yes, and, yes, yes, and yes. Yes, we will okay. coach Anthony Joshua. Yes. <laughs> oh, you will I'm coach sure Anthony Joshua. I didn't hear that on purpose, but yeah. Yes, we'll help Anthony Joshua. And, uh, and yes, we don't care if we fight Dillian White. doesn't matter. No, go on with your question, guys. I'm sorry. No, no, that, that, exactly those two things. And, and will you actually help Anthony Joshua? Do you think that's genuine? Yeah, it is. I mean, look at this situation here. You have any other sport, right? You've got basketball, you got football, soccer, American football. You got guys that are friends or just, you know, very competitive champions. And, and you you see now people put together teams. They're putting together dream teams and things like that, like as far as basketball, football, any other sport. You know, these guys are joining up with each other, being on the same team to be successful. So here I don't see anything different than that. I mean, you think of boxing as a competitive sport, together, but these fighters don't be hating each other. You know, it's a, they want to win. They want to be involved in the biggest fights in history. Uh, you know, they want to make money as well, too. So, uh, I mean, I don't see anything strange about this situation. You know, you help. I mean, as the crunk gym used to be, you had champions training with champions, working with each other, helping each other to compete and to win championships. And at some point in time, those guys weren't always a part of the crunk gym, and they had to fight each other. And that's just what it is. You go through amateurs, and you sparring with guys, fighting with guys, and you have to go out there and fight them in a tournament. So it's no different on the bigger stage. It's just that the, the concept has been drawn away from, uh, you know, drawn away a lot because I don't want to say people are afraid, but just the lack of knowledge of how this thing really works and how it's been working for years. It's no different on the professional level. If we can help that man out to win his fight and then those two can come back and fight each other for, I mean, what's wrong with that? Well, after Sugar Hill Stewart, and what an amazing conversation that was about the situation in the heavyweight division. Do any of you really believe that Sugar Hill Stewart and Tyson Fury could possibly be in Anthony Joshua's camp? I'm not so sure about it. But anyway, fascinating stuff. Well, joining us next on the show was Archie Sharp, fresh off his victory the night before at the York Hall, Bethnal Green. And he had to listen to a few words from Shaka Stevenson. The art of the boxing is hit and not get hit, and I displayed that last night. I think the last couple of fights I've been getting out with cuts and marks all over my face. So I was getting myself drawn in headbutts and clashes and just getting a bit messy. So last night was just all about me being disciplined, sticking behind my boxing, getting behind my jab. I think I threw, I threw the jab more times last night than I have done in four or five fights put together. So that was my, my key last night, really. Yeah, Archie, you know, you've got 21 wins now, uh, nine by KO. You've built up a great record. You know, you've got some good names on that record. You, you, you've been developing really, really well. When's the time to go now? When do you see, say, what's the road map for the next sort of like 12 months or so? You know, we've, you've got some great champions out there. We saw Shaka Stevenson beating Jamal Herring for that IBF title. Oscar Valdez as well. It's a very strong division. When do you see yourself in the mix with them lot? 
very, very strong division. And to be honest with you, I'm very grateful and blessed with the with the team that I've got with MTK and they're they're pushing me with the right with the right fights and they've kept me active. That was the main thing after me breaking my arm and the COVID situation. Um, I, I obviously won the WBO Global in July, and then I, they got me straight back out on the show last night. So it's the momentum now, the momentum's flying. I'm ready. I'm ready to rock and roll, really. So I just trust my team, and um, when they say the time is right, and it's you know yourself, it's very political this boxing game. So I'm ready to go whenever. I'll fight anyone tomorrow. Just got my team are guiding me in the right direction, and we are ready. We, we're, we're knocking on that door now as we speak. So you say you're, you still want to develop, I'm hearing between the lines there, before moving up to full world level, Yeah. Listen, if they ring me tomorrow and say Shakur Stevenson fight is ready, I'm ready to go. It's no problem at all. I'm just, like I say, I'm just trusting the team. I'm very blessed that I'm keeping active. Hopefully we get out again um, in December. That's the plan. Um, and yeah, like I say, I'm ready to, I'm ready to go. I've been calling Shakur for a reason. Um, the time is right now for me to go. Well, he joined us earlier on, Beautiful. and this is what he. This is what uh, the WBO champion Shaka Stevenson uh, said uh, about you, Archie. Take, <laughs> yeah, take a listen to take a, take a listen to this. You can reply to him on social media afterwards. I have to be honest. Like when it comes down to like Archie Sharp, like I feel like there's a lot of great Britain fighters that's better than him. Like I feel like there's a lot of people in England. Um, what's the own um, dude that went to the Olympics with me? He probably fight like 130, his name like... Joe Cordina, Joe Cordina. Yeah, Cordina, the Cordina. Yeah, yeah. He's better than Archie Sharp. Like, it's literally like four or five fighters in England that I feel is better than Archie Sharp. Like, I feel like Archie Sharp is more so like a waste of my time. So does that get you motivated listening to that? But to be fair, he's going to be saying these things, you know what I mean? At the end of the day, I know my ability and I know yeah. I can beat you, of course, Stevenson, and, and with the... Listen, it's just down to it. That's his opinion, and he's he's entitled to what he wants to say. It was I was expecting a bit more worse than that, but obviously oh, I'm, on his, <laughs> I'm on his radar because I know after his biggest win against Jamel Her uh, against Jamel Herring within 48 hours, he's he's posting pictures of me on social media. So there's obviously something. Um, I'm obviously I'm in his mind. I know I'm in his mind, and and I'll just keep. I'll be pushing him in that corner until he takes that fight. One of the things in the that, that interview plays out later on on the show, by the way, we, we recorded it with Shaka earlier. Um, one of the things he did say, though, Archie, if you can get yourself into that position, is he's desperate to come and have a fight in the UK. Exactly. There, there you go. There's the door open there. Look, I'm number two in the WBO world ranking, so all I've got to do is just keep winning and keep winning, and then hopefully I'll be mandatory very, very soon. Well, that's the whole point. There is a system that you can push. To, so you want that fight. You're two fights away from it, in my view, if you can keep pushing to become mandatory. Exactly that, and that's all I can do. Like I said, I've got a very, very good team, and we'll just keep winning. Just keep defending, keep defending, and keep winning, and then I'll, be, I'll push them in a corner where they've got to take the fight. Sure, Archie. There's some there's some good British fighters over in this way. Actually, globally, there's some great fighters around at the moment. Do you see yourself needing another fight or two before you challenge for that world title and stepping up to maybe you know sort of like fringe world level just to prove yourself at that level before you make that big step again? Because there is a big gulf, isn't there, in like you know like sort of like campaigning at say European level to world level. You know, like that, that, that that's a big jump. And at the moment, as you you've already highlighted, there's some strong champions out there. So do you see yourself maybe another fight or two before you get, take that leap? There's some great champions out there, and, and everyone has got to remember that Shakur Stevenson was an Olympian. I've beat Olympians through my career, 
Do you know what I mean? So I've been there. I've, I've, through the amateurs, I've mixed with the best and I was the best. The thing is with me, I just haven't had my opportunity to, as a professional, to show my, to showcase my ability. That's why I'm screaming for these fights because I've been, I've been at this level through the amateurs, and now I've just got to do it as a pro. Everyone who knows me very, I just haven't showcased it on that world, uh, in the professional side of things yet because I haven't had that chance yet. I thrive on them, these fights. When you talk about Shakur Stevenson, Oscar Valdez, I thrive off them names because I know I'll bring my A game. No one's seen me in my A game. Last night, I got in the ring, I boxed 10 rounds, and I didn't even get out of second gear. I just mm. I just got into that cruise mode. I was just hitting, not getting hit. I felt lovely today. It's a lovely payday for me. I, I feel beautiful today. I feel like I've, I haven't even boxed. So I'm doing something right, hitting, not, like I said, I displayed the art of boxing last night. And I know my ability, you know, just about showcasing it. That's why I believe I'm ready for these fights. Like, you've got some great fighters out there now, like the McCormick's who was in the, in the Olympics. Um, I, I even talk about Joe Cordino. There's some great fighters out there. And look, the McCormick's are on my... On my, on my um, well, my resume won't beat him in the amateurs. I've been showcasing my ability since day one, so I know I'm ready. I'm ready for that now. Archie Sharp there reacting in the best possible way. Wow, is he up? for a world title challenge in 2022. Well, the man himself, Shaka Stevenson, fresh off his victory over Jamal Herring to become a two-weight world champion and the WBO super featherweight champion, join me next. On Saturday night after your fight with Jamal Herring, I'd said it before the fight, but I said it afterwards as well, this could be the man headed for pound for pound number one in the next couple of years. And a couple of the older sage writers from America agree with me. What do you make of that, Mr. Stevenson? Uh, I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody that feel that way. Um, it's a lot more that I got to prove. It's just like the beginning, so I still got to stay focused. Could you? Could it affect you where, with millions in the bank and you go all Hollywood on us? No, nah, not at all. I'm a, I'm a family man. I come from a good family at the end of the day. and um, My mother told me well, and I don't see me changing. Like, I, I am who I am, and I'm going to be who I am forever, so... At the end of the day, I'm still I'm still gonna stick with who I am as a uh, as a man. You're still a very young man, but you've already achieved so much in the boxing. Being a two weight world champion, and then last Saturday night, and I stayed up till the early hours to watch it. It was riveting. We some of us have called it a spite clinic. Obviously, you and Jamel are back together as friends again now, but you're not friends when you go in the ring. And I think your attitude was absolutely right. It was poise. Precision, perfection, southpaw versus southpaw. You saw da- gaps in the door that people don't normally see. Um, your pop was there. It was a fantastic performance from the outside. How did you feel on the inside? I felt like it was going to be that. Like I watched his fights before. Um, before I ended up fighting him, I, w- I watched his fights like the whole fight week. And being that I watched the fights the whole fight week, I kind of picked up on things that I seen that he um didn't like that he liked to do. Um I picked up on a lot of stuff. So I just went in the ring with that mindset. I went in the ring with the mindset that I'm a better fighter than he was and uh, I ended up proving it to him. So you're there at one two six to one thirty now, one hundred and thirty pounds. Do you fight Oscar Valdez, the WBC chairman, which we all think is a fantastic matchup as well. I think he's under the top-ranked banner as well, so it's not a difficult fight to make. So unification in a second weight division. Is that where you're headed? Or Archie Sharp is number two. 
the British fighter. You've never fought a British fighter. You've got loads of fans over here. You know that they are massive boxing fans over here. Could you contemplate coming over here and fighting, say, an Archie Sharp? I have to be honest, like, when it comes down to, like, Archie Sharp, like, I feel like there's a lot of Great Britain fighters that's better than him. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people in England. Um, what's the um, dude that went to the Olympics with me? He probably fight, like, 130. His name, like... Joe Cordina. Joe Cordina. Joe Cordina. Cordina. Yeah, yeah. He's better than Archie Sharp. Like, it's literally, like, four or five fighters in England that I feel is better than Archie Sharp. Like, I feel like Archie Sharp is more so, like, a waste of my time. Like, I feel like with an Archie Sharp, I feel like he got to go prove himself. Like, he got to show something. He never fought nobody. He haven't been in one real fight yet. He fighting taxi drivers, and he's, like, barely getting by. Like, he's getting by by a little bit. Like, I think he had, like, a majority decision with, with his sparring partner. And we got to be honest. Like, his sparring partner wasn't that good. But I think the sparring partner kind of beat him. Like, I think he kind of edged it. But at the end of the day, I feel like um, with him, he just got to prove himself more before I even, like, start saying his name in any type of way about a real fight with him. We want the Valdez. We want the Valdez yeah. route. We want that kind of route. We want to go unify the belts and – uh, we want the bigger fight, so that's what we're looking towards. Uh, but I would love to come over to England and fight because I love the the support system, the support system, the fans, they the environment, everything with them is just great. Like the commentators, like we watch they commentating, like they actually know boxing, they pay attention to boxing. And uh, I would love to actually come over there and fight. Tell me about growing up a little bit. I mean, you're a fighter. I've seen you. I've been around you. You. You carry yourself a certain way. Like, you always look ready, if you know what I mean. Yeah. yeah. You've grown up in that way, Shakur. <laughs> oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, I'm from I'm from the trenches at the end of the day. Like, we call it the trenches. I'm from the hood. We came up tough. We came up hard. It's, you know, regular stuff at the end of the day. But uh, I feel like I know how to carry myself. I know how to uh, switch it on and off at times. And uh, I'm, I'm going to forever be who I am. But... Um, like I said, I'm doing this for like a, a certain reason. Like I know it's kids that come from where I come from that don't get to see certain things that I'm doing right now. Like they don't get to see like the part of life where um, outside of North can all that kind of stuff. So when I was a kid, boxing saved my life. To be honest with you, like that's how I feel. Like when I was a kid, I didn't get to see nothing outside of North. I never got to see the world. I never got to see everything that was going on inside the world. I never got to see big old houses and. All this stuff that's going on um, outside of Nook, like I never got to see that until I got to travel when it came to boxing, go overseas and uh, go to different states and all that kind of stuff and got to see the world. And like I said, it just get to see like a different part of the world. And with them kids, like they don't get to see that. So coming back and hearing it from me and telling them like it's more to life than just Nook, New Jersey, that takes a, a big role in their life they, they that makes them motivated and want to go do more like it's kids who really want to box now or they probably want to take basketball series or football series and all that kind of stuff and they probably lock in and do extra more just because they want to be where Shakur Stevenson is at forgive me for not knowing but do you have any yet I got a daughter on the way she she uh You've she'll be here December 9th amazing congratulations that will change your life I will <laughs> tell you um, yeah, thank you <laughs> And presumably, what if your daughter wants to box when she grows up? Never. Okay. <laughs> Even if I got, like, after I have my daughter, if my next kid is a boy, I don't want my son boxing. Like, 
at the end of the day, I feel like it's a brutal sport. Like, it's cool for me to do it because I know, like, what I can do. And, mm. um, like I said, I feel like where I came from is, like, I was hungry. Like, I had to be hungry. Like, I feel like if I have a kid, they're not going to be born the same way. They're not going to be born into um, the same way I was living. Or They're not going to be as hungry. They're going to be able to get stuff. And I wouldn't want them boxing. Like, I don't feel like the hunger or the motivation going to be there as much as, like, it was for me. Just this last thing, what was the day that you went to the gym? You say like it saved you. Can you remember the day you went to the gym or you were encouraged to the gym and it changed you? Okay, I remember the first day I went to the gym, I was five years old. It was in North wow. New Jersey. And uh, I was a kid, though. I was like, I was tiny. And I went into the gym with my grandfather. And it was like people in there, I see somebody in there sparring. Uh, I seen somebody hitting a double in. I seen a lot of people in there on a, a punching bag. Seen people in there jumping rope. And I was looking around and it was like, it was like the coolest thing in the world to me because it's like they were boxers. Like, I don't know what made it so cool to me. Like, it was just so cool. Like, I done seen football. I done seen basketball. You normally see that, but like, you don't normally see boxing. Like, a lot of people don't know about boxing. So, um, when I went inside the gym, it was like, it was amazing. Like, I just looked and I went and asked my grandfather, can I have some gloves and can I get in the ring? And he wouldn't let me. After that, every single day that he went to the gym, I started just going with him. And once I started going with him, probably when I was like seven years old, he finally let me get in the ring and spark. Eight, I finally had my first fight. And from there, it was just over. I just loved the sport of boxing. I love this attitude from Shaka Stevenson. You could really see him going to the number one pound-for-pound pound spot in the next couple of years if he continues his progress as he's doing at the moment. And also, of course, that step up to the lightweight division, which is such a scintillating uh, division in the world at the moment. And so many great American rivals for him. Well, up next, uh, Mauricio Suleiman, the president of the World Boxing Council, joined me. He was on his way for from Puerto Rico to Mexico, back to his home. But he had some salient things to say about the potential fight between Tyson Fury and Dillian White next, the interim uh, heavyweight champion against the full champion, and also about women's boxing. Here's Mauricio. En route to Mexico City from, from Puerto Rico. Um, sir, what are you doing in Puerto Rico? We came here to meet the four presidents of the boxing organizations. Uh, the WBO had their executive meetings. So myself, I flew in as WBC, Daryl Peoples as IBF, Gilberto Mendoza Jr. as the WBA, and of course, Paco as a host. We had a very positive meeting and uh, I'm very excited. I'm, I'm looking at uh, things that are very good for the sport. Unity is much needed in all aspects. And uh, I'm certain that these will come up uh, with good uh, plans for the future. Do the gloves come off with you four guys ever or not? They were never on. They were never on. Uh, <laughs> it was a very friendly, respectful, uh, all cards on the table meeting. So I'm very happy, very uh, excited of things that uh, we need to do because as, as Pink Floyd says, Together we stand, divided we fall. Oh, exactly. Just just summarize for us what you can publicly, what, what, 
what the big changes the four of you would like to make together or that you're putting forward or, you know, just so that we can get an idea of what changes may come about with the four sanctioning bodies, Mauricio? Well, basically, uh, one of the keys is the goal of having unified champions, of having uh, undisputed champions. The, the public always cries out loud, wishing to have one champion per division. So we have uh, Josh Taylor right now, we have Teofimo Lopez, and, uh, and Saturday there most likely will be a unified uh, undisputed champion uh, in the Canelo plant. There was a fight uh, with Charlo and Castaño, which ended up in a draw, so, but it's a tendency. We want to see unified and uh, one champion per division, but we have to address what happens uh, with the mandatories. So we have ideas that we're working on to try, number one, to have unified champions move towards unifications. Number two, how to address the mandatory situation of every division. Obviously, we had the situation over here this week. The Dillian White got injured, or last week, rather. Uh, the Otto Valin dillian White um, interim title fight, WBC, was supposed to go ahead tonight. Obviously, right. Chantel Cameron Mary begin headlining instead at the O2 Arena. Brilliant to have women headlining. And White says, you know, he's six weeks out. Wallin and uh, his promoter, Dimitri Sully, to say, you know, really, by rights, they should reschedule and fight them. Fury and, uh, and Sugar Hill and his team saying, yeah, Frank Warren, we're happy to fight Dillian White next if it's Dillian White or the winner of White Wallin. What, wh where does the WBC stand now on having ordered the winner of White Wallin to face the winner of Wilder Fury. We've got the winner of Wilder Fury with the Fury fight. How do we stand with the other, with the mandatory, or the interim title holder? Well, the WBC order was very clear that uh, the winner of Fury Wilder has one month to try to secure the ultimate unification against uh, Usyk, who defeated Joshua. If they are not uh, capable of doing such, then the WBC will go with a mandatory, which is the interim champion. Yeah. So uh, we have received from the British Boxing Board of Control uh, the medical certification that uh, White could not fight Wallin because of an injury. So we are going to, to do what we uh, publish, and that's the, the way we're moving forward. So, so ha did you already say that the interim is the mandatory then? You've said that, have you then? Yeah, yeah, we, we said that in the... We clearly, yeah, yeah. And just, and just looking back now, the last time I saw you was in Las Vegas. It was fantastic for the International Brigade to be together again. It, it means so much um, to be in the mecca of huge fight nights uh, in Las Vegas together and, and break bread together. It's always amazing for us all to be together. Um, what a fight between Fury and Wilder for the WBC heavyweight belt. It was worthy of one of the great events, wasn't it? Oh, my God. Uh, it's perhaps the best fight I have ever seen live in my life. It had all the elements, um, drama, power, the will, power to win by both, both going to the canvas. And uh, it was just electric. It was electrifying. It was humbling to see Deontay Wilder so brave and so willing uh, to, to do whatever he had to do to get his title back. Uh, that dramatic 10 round in the, at the end of the round, when everything seemed that he, he was just uh, going to go down, 
but that's boxing and uh, it was the heavyweight championship of the world and uh, the world now is excited about the heavyweights about boxing about the great fights being with public again after two years of uh, suffering from uncertainty and depression and mental health so it's it's a great time uh, it gave all of us a boost where who we are in boxing and or sports he gave us a, just a great uh, enthusiastic boost it was funny you know and earlier on stage just to let you know i spoke to sugar hill steward and he was saying to me he was genuine that he and tyson would happily go into anthony joshua's camp and help him to fight Usyk uh in the build-up because they want the fight with him for the undisputed title because they know that most of the fans in the world would love to see Fury against Joshua. It's just one of those fights that the world wants to see, you know? Yeah, it's, uh, it's a heavyweight at, at its best. I'm very proud of Fury to be our champion. He represents the best as a WBC champion. He does a lot of chari charity work and his family is beautiful. The loyalty that he shows uh, with pride to be the WBC champion is, is humbling. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com tapiphone Life is full of what ifs, some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs, no deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Fascinating stuff there from Mauricio Suleiman. Well, I caught up with a Welshman after that, Liam Williams, who is being touted as the next opponent for Chris Eubank Jr. It hasn't been confirmed or wasn't confirmed when we did the Fight Night show, but it looks on the cards for December the 11th. Here's Liam Williams on what he'd like to do to Chris Eubank. Still training under Dominic Ingle in Sheffield, still going home at the weekends to Wales, but presumably deep in camp. To be honest, I'm, I'm told that the, the fight is very possibly happening on that date, but I haven't got full confirmation of that, but it seems to be a lot of rumours going around, so I think it's very likely, just to clear that up, you know, so everybody doesn't take it for certain. Are you saying the T's still need to be crosses and the I's dotted on the final contract for that fight then? Yeah, mate, they do, yeah. I, I wasn't, I didn't really know how to answer that, if I'm being totally honest with you, because there is a lot of rumour, but I haven't had final word. I haven't heard it from the horse's mouth, if you know what I mean. So, But it's a fight you want, presumably. <laughs> oh, 100%, of course. Um, as long as it can be, be finalised within the next couple of days, I'm guessing. You know, I think you and, and most other people know it. That's a fight which I want, probably the, the fight I want most, because um, there's been a lot of talk over the past, probably even going back two years, He's had his say, I've, I've had mine, and all that's left to do now is to just to see what happens, really, and, and, you know, put an end to all the talking and see who the better man really is. So uh, it's exciting. Do you think you're going to bring something out of him that he hasn't shown in the last couple of fights? Because he hasn't had opponents who are right up there in terms of level, and he's been able to show shapes he's learned with Roy Jones Jr. without being kind of really pressured. Yeah, mate. I do, I do think uh, someone like myself will bring the best out of him because I come to fight. I'm going to give him as good as he's going to give. Not just that, I think when he knows he's in a fight, that's um, like anyone else, really. I think it always brings the best out of you. You know, a little bit of nerves, a little bit of whatever. It always brings a dog out in you. And um, I think this is this is certainly the fight we should do that for him. And it's, it's going to do the same for me. So it's going to be well worth every penny you pay for it. From the Bubu Andrade fight, what have you taken on with you from that fight? What did you learn from from that fight that you've taken into now, to the present? Yeah, the, you know, the, the Andrade fight was, it was difficult for me because he's a southpaw, he's long and rangy, he's got a, a very, very good skill set. He's got it all, really. He's a very, very good fighter, so massive credit to him. And I just, I, I don't believe, I don't feel like I turned up. The best Liam Williams didn't show up that night. You know, I didn't put in a bad performance, I don't believe, but I could have done more. I had a bit of a bad start. They obviously got dropped at the sec. And I haven't really talked much about this, but I was carrying a shoulder injury going into that fight as well. Even going back to, like, barring sessions, sometimes it takes me two, three, even four rounds to get going sometimes. And, and you know, really, really pumping the jab out and backing someone up. And it would take me a good couple of rounds to get going. But, you know, no, no excuses. I lost the fight to the better man. It's as simple as that, really. I know I lost, but I also learned a lot too. So I, I have no regrets. Don't get me wrong. I'd love to be sat here world champion right now, but I'm not. That's life. And and it goes on. So, you know, we, we keep pushing forward and, and hopefully in the near future we will become world champion. But first of all, we have to deal, um, we have to deal with Eubank and put him out of his misery first. Um, it's funny because the last time we spoke, you spoke brilliantly as well, Liam. And I want to finish this interview on this in, in 
you know, you said, God, if I'd known myself, if I look back on myself now and I was 13 to 15 that age, I was a little I really wouldn't have liked myself. Are you still enjoying passing on being a role model and showing people, youngsters, that you can live a certain way and you can change your life by sacrificing whatever you do, for sacrificing yourself to whatever it is you do and fully committing to it? Yeah, 100% made this. Um, to me, I've actually got like a bit of a bit of a tingle going on. It's, um, <laughs> if I'm being totally honest with you, it was a little, and um, I was always giving myself a bit of, bits of bother. Nothing, nothing extreme, but you know, I was never good in school or anything like that. And it's just, um, just goes to show that if if you really want something, you work hard towards it. Then who's who's to tell you you can't do it? I used to be in school. I'd have teachers like saying to me. Liam, you're not going to become anything because you don't you don't focus. You don't you know you you misbehaving all the time. This and that, but you know if if school ain't for you, then it ain't for you. Just like it wasn't for me. And um, you just need to focus on what it is you do like and push forward with that. I I only have to go to Asda in in Donabandi and um, I get kids come up to me and ask me for photos and stuff. And again, like I have to pinch myself because. You know, I, I am a big, as much as I don't look at myself in that way, you know, it's amazing because I, I, I am a role model for these kids. Well, that was Liam Williams there talking up his fight coming up, hopefully on December the 11th against Chris Eubank Jr. Well, from the men to the women, I was joined by Susanna Schofield, OBE, uh, who has taken her life from being an incredibly successful businesswoman into becoming a boxing promoter. Her first event is going to be on November the 26th in Sheffield, an all-women card Unified Promotions is the name of her company. It's going to be a fascinating launch. Will Susanna join me to talk all about it? Great news that the first ever all-female boxing card is about to take place, I understand, Susanna, uh, on November the 26th in Sheffield. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And yes, very exciting. It's, uh, it's, it's, uh, we're there. It's Filmed. We've got the card and um, we're good to go. And as you say, 26th of November. So I'm delighted to be able to be part of this. Obviously, earlier in the year, you, you kind of, you came out and said, I, you know, I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting fully involved in this. I want to canonically change it for women. I want to create a career for them. You know, I, I want to um, make the changes in women's boxing that, that aren't being made for women from the men's side, if you like. Um, how tough has it been through the year, obviously with COVID still ongoing, to get this first card out on November the 26th in Sheffield? Well, strangely, Gareth, and it's an interesting thing, because I think COVID actually helped women's boxing. And as bizarre as that sounds, there was always the argument that women's boxing didn't sell tickets. And boxing's always been about putting bums on seats. Mm. But in lockdown, actually, it wasn't about putting bums on seats. So some women got the undercards. And actually, some of those fights were incredible. We saw some amazing fights through COVID. And, uh, and I think really, actually, it started people saying, do you know what, boxing, women's boxing has got a place. And there's always, and I... I fight in a juxtaposition whether I want to say it's women's boxing or it's just boxing. 
and it just happens to be a woman. And I get torn between that because I want to champion women's boxing, but actually it's just still boxing because I think the two fights, whether you're watching two men that are equally matched go at each other or two women that was equally matched, it's as good a sport as, as it is, you know, irrelevant of gender. So I, I kind of sit in there, yes, I want to champion it, but in the same aspect, it's, I, I'd lo- I, I long for the day we just refer to it as boxing and it's almost gender irrelevant. But, but given that women fight two-minute ra- two rounds and that, you know, there is, it, it's, it's 10 rounds in championship boxing, there are still distinct differences between the men's and the women's side, you know, and, yeah. and, and annoyingly, women still wear headguards in amateur boxing where men don't now, which which is very odd in the Olympics, for example. It's still very well, odd there. It, it is, and I, I think there's, a, if, I'm, if I'm honest, I think there's a bit of research that needs to be done now. And part of what Unified Promotions will do, which is the company I own, is that we'll start to look at that. So actually, there are some statistics that say women hi- are dehydrate much quicker than men because of our breast tissue. So actually, it's important we only do two-minute rounds because we need to rehydrate. But let's not, spe- let's not kind of, you know, uh, surmise that. Let's actually get some fact behind it. So start part of the stuff we're looking at now is actually testing that and working with the women as we train them up for this fight we're documenting all of that leading up to the 26th of November and really put some hard facts around it you know is the belt the right height you know the 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 um the, it's all the silly things is it? it protects your crown jewels but actually it's a really bad place for women's ovaries so now you know first Olympics 2012 we're less than a decade into really recognize women's boxing in the UK let's get some stats around this so if they could fight three minutes maybe some choose to maybe some don't but actually if there's medical reasons why it's two let's keep it at two but that safeguarding element is where I think that's been missing in women's boxing it's not necessarily just about championing and saying yes they're great they need to be on TV and we need to champ actually how do we really process that through and make sure that there's some safeguarding measures put around it as well? Tell, tell me, I mean, because I spoke to Mauricio Suleiman um, this week um, on, for the show, and he was saying that there's, for them, the WBC president, that there's still, physiologically, there are differences between men and women. So until that medical evidence does change, they will keep it at two minutes in WBC uh fights fight sanctioned by them so that's i mean that's a great thing it's in your corner now to like if that medical evidence shows that um it doesn't affect women over three minutes then all to the good yeah the opportunity is there but i i think it's about the safeguarding isn't it and i and i i agree i think until there's the evidence there we shouldn't respond and react and i think that's so important and i and i think from my perspective it's how do we put this sport really on an equal playing field so as i said earlier it's not just about men or women it's about boxing and there's not that there's not that narrative that's different it is just about amazing people with amazing careers but the trouble is is until that really gets the eyeballs on it then there's not the money in it so most female boxers have to work so therefore it's only the really top end that get to take it completely professionally and if you go about like you'll know Gareth I, I have a foot in the football camp as well so if you look at women's football that's only really starting to gain momentum now because actually there's enough money behind it that those female footballers only have to play football and if you have a sport that that's all you have to do to train in of course you're going to be better whereas if you're pulling a full-time job and doing it as a hobby it's only ever going to be a hobby so I think the more we can get eyeballs on it the more we can get equal money into it and the more we can get you know that 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 
that narrative going around it, then the better the better the fights will become. So, um, Christ, Christina O'Hara McCafferty, um, Paige Goodyear, Lauren yeah. Parker, and I, can't, I don't know if I say her name right, Kadila Timera. Khadija, Khadija Timera. Khadija Timera. Um, Timera, these are all signed already for the card. All signed already. So we're just matchmaking them the other side. So these girls are definitely all fighting. Um, and then we're just looking for the right people for them to fight. We've obviously got contracts in negotiation at the moment. Um, but yeah, the one thing that's important to me is that it's a good matchmake. Um, you know, I, I want these girls to be pushed. Um, Lauren Parker is absolutely incredible and ready to go. Um, Christina's obviously had a phenomenal rec track record already in Ireland and has an amazing following. Oh, games. Yeah. Um, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. And, and she did incredibly well there. Um, Paige, again, absolutely ready to go and has just turned professional since her first fight, but she's done in so well in the amateur. And Khadija's is interesting. So she's from, uh, she's from Senegal. So she's got that moment of actually having to travel over for here probably not allowed to really fight in our home country, absolutely not embraced as a female boxer, but this is the platform. She's also an ambassador for UEFA, does a whole load of things around women being able to be in sport. So I'm, um, uh, you know, I think, I think as a card, we have a lovely group of girls there who are really focused. And, you know, Gareth, we've talked before about all women who fight, fight for a reason. And they do. There's always a story. And these four women have an amazing story. And from the 1st of November, we'll start to push that story out through Unified and through the social channels. And I'm just hoping that it's enough uh, enough of a narrative that people get behind them and really want to support them coming forward because they're therefore amazing women who you know who, who don't get to just turn off in the day job and just concentrate on boxing they've got other stuff that they have to focus on too but ultimately they're uh, they're there and ready to go well from talking about women's boxing to a formidable world champion Michaela Mayer who defends her world title in a unification with Maeve Hamaducci uh, next uh, Friday night at the Virgin Hotel Las Vegas yeah women are totally to the fore at the moment she's headlining uh, a top ranked card in Las Vegas and she is delighted about it real character and of course may be destined to fight our very own Terry Harper in the coming year. Here's Michaela, all for you. It must be great. Uh, November the 5th, uh, Maeve Hamaducci, you've got um, a unification fight. I think it's the first time a women's women's fight, maybe unification fight, has headlined an ESPN card. So you're making history again. I know you've been doing commentary. Are the facets, all these facets of women's boxing with that, before going on to specifically yourself. Are these facets of women's boxing um, a kind of a delight for you that they're all history making? Yeah, this is great. I mean, this is a really amazing time for women's boxing and I'm happy to be a part of it. Uh, you have a handful of girls that are getting primetime spots. I mean, not enough, we still have a long way to go, but you know, you have some girls that are getting some great, on some great cards, um, great TV time. A handful of us are doing commentary too. You, know, you have Sinisa Estrada, Franchon Cruz. So it's a it's a really great time for women's boxing. I think we still have a ways to go, especially here in America. I think the UK is doing a lot better when it comes to, um, you know, accepting the women into the sport. But uh, yeah, we're, we're on a mission. Do you, do you feel the history of this event coming up on November the 5th? Yes, this is definitely, I definitely recognize the importance of this fight. And I said this in my last interview, but it's almost like everything that I've done up to this fight means nothing 
unless I perform and come out with the win because this is everything that I've been working towards is what I've asked for, right? I've been saying I want the best in the division. I've been saying I want to unify. Um, now the ring magazine belt is on the line also. So there's just a lot at stake and I'm yeah. aware of that. This is a great fight for you because um, I don't know how many defenses she's made already of her title. Um, like it's four or five, isn't it? You know, um, she's right up, maybe six even, she's right up there. Um, you're both coming into the peak of your powers. Um, super featherweight for women is, a, is an amazing division. Tell us what you know about Hamaduchi. Obviously she's boxing out of France. Um, give us, a, give it, give us a, a taste of what you're uh, expecting to do to her um, on November the 5th. Well, studying her is is really not that complicated, right? She just she has a very uh, obvious style and it's obvious what she likes to do, and that's come forward. It's not like she does any has any fancy footwork or um, you know s slick combinations or anything. She's very straightforward, but it doesn't mean to say that it's not a difficult uh, style to fight because although coming up with the game plan was pretty straightforward staying disciplined under that pressure and uh being conditioned enough to 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 withstand that pressure for an entire fight that's where that's where the tough part comes in that's where the where the hard training comes in um and we're not oblivious to that like we're not in denial of that we know exactly that it's, that is that is going to be hard and we've trained for that and so that's that's the number one thing is being well conditioned and staying disciplined for those whole 10 rounds I spoke to Clarissa Shields the week before last, and you know, there's a big fight at middleweight building between she and um, Savannah Marshall here. They're both going to be on the same London card on December the 11th, and hopefully, we'll have a women's super fight here, kind of March, April next year, maybe up north uh, with 15, hopefully 20,000 people at the event with the girls headlining, the ladies headlining. Um, what does it mean to you that it's I know it's the old Hard Rock Hotel and Casino, isn't it? It's called the Virgin Hotel now. But what does it mean to you to headline in Las Vegas, Sin City itself? And Clarissa was saying for that fight with Savannah, could they mark it by having three-minute rounds? You know, I don't know what you think about that now, where that we should be perhaps making that shift for that extra minute in each round for, for women to work more in, 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 the, in the discrete units that rounds are. Yeah, um, well, to answer your first question, definitely an amazing time in my career to be headlining on a top rank card on ESPN. I mean... In Las Vegas. In Las Vegas. And just 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 for them after, you know, 15 fights and, and working my ass off to try and just prove that I was I was worth their investment and that women belong on this big stage, for them to give me a main event fight in Vegas. And it just short, sort of shows that, like, you know, I've... I've I've done well and that they, that they believe in me and that they're proud of me and that they believe that I, that I am worthy. And so um, that's just great to, to have that support from a promoter like top rank and a network like ESPN and a city like Vegas. So it's definitely a huge deal. Um, second part, the three minute rounds, I originally was like, okay, why are we going to push? Why are we going to keep pushing for more? Women are always pushing to do more for less. Why are we going to do that? And then I thought, well, you know, that is just sort of the duty of this era of women. Like it, we mm -hmm. have the ones to push and push and we're never going to get really fully what we deserve. Maybe the yeah. generation 
the rest of the generation after them will finally get what they deserve. The pay gap will get closed, et cetera, but we're never going to get that. And so I, I have to sort of just know that. And my decisions that I make maybe have to be for the better of the sport and not just for myself. And so now my, my ideas changed and said, well, maybe if I, maybe we push for three minute rounds, that'll start to, uh, to close that, that pay gap and maybe start the conversation of, um, you know, women gaining more respect and more equality in the sport. Mm. Not overnight, but it's, it starts with women like us, me and Clarissa, who who have the platform and are at this level to sort of speak up and try and make it happen. And what are you what what are you predicting? A um, a convincing points decision, a stoppage victory, um, an all out war, a Hagler Hearns, a Wilder Fury three. What what are you what are you predicting? I want to stop Hamadouche, and I believe I can because with the combination of her rushing forward the way she does and me having really worked on sitting on my punches um I don't think that she's going to be able to get away from some of my big shots and not just the head shots but I've been really working on digging down to the body and someone like Hamadouche can take shots to the head all day and so I've been working on mixing that up and I, and I want to I, I won't just I mean I'll be I want the win. That's the most important thing. But I really, really want to make a statement in this fight. And I want to hurt Hamadouche. I would love a stoppage. Well, that's it this week for the Fight Night podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and listen every week. In fact, next week, uh, we are live from Liverpool for the Boxer event. Commentary from Alex Steedman and Spencer Oliver. Myself and Adi Adelipo will be running things from HQ on the night. Zach Parker's in action as well, of course, in Birmingham. You've been listening to the Fight Night podcast. I'm Gareth A. Davis. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.